If you will, turn your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. As Bill read for us 3 through 6 a while ago. I want to read... uh, I want to read 3 through 13. You know what? Uh, I'm not. We We will read through there. I want to see, uh, how simply I can say a few things about this passage. I would encourage you to go home and read these 10 verses. Not just read them, would you, would you seek to hear what's going on? So we've been talking this morning in class. We've been talking really since we started studying Romans and, and I've, I've changed from trying to do all of my preaching and teaching out of it because that, that breaks it up and there's too much miss there. But God, God, by the Apostle Paul, presents to the church in Rome the gospel and what it reveals to God's people. It reveals to them, it reveals in them. And we have this capacity as humans to to want to complicate things and and to miss what's right there before us. And I want you to I want to invite you. I don't know what you got planned for this week. Some of you've got detailed lists, I'm sure. I wish you'd put somewhere up toward the top of that list. Work some salvation out of the gospel for my life this week. I didn't say work for anything. I said work it out. In studying the the last few weeks, I've got several Bible studies going on continuously, and, and a lot of those are phone calls. But I watched in my mind uh, a woman just a couple of weeks ago. I watched in my mind her run across a simple truth about God. And it just, it just, It just left her undone. I say this a lot. Evidently, somebody reminded me that day, but she said something along the lines, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Jesus was with God in the beginning? 
Is he telling us Jesus is God? Because this looks like what he's saying. Jesus is God. Yeah. Yeah, he is. You see, she's, she's grasping with the idea that God and, and people, people have this ability. I mean, it's all God-given, but, but they have this willingness. They have this thought in their mind that, yes, there is a God, or yes, it makes sense that there could be a God. And if there is, then yes, it makes sense that he will bring into judgment all the sin that has wrecked people's lives throughout all history. That makes sense to people. And that's the truth. But there's way more truth about God than just that. He is to the creator of all things. And if you'll consider it, that makes sense. Things don't create themselves. They don't design themselves. They don't put themselves in relationship with it. That is not how anything works. God did all that. Do you know God is still creating right now? Not a new planet. He's creating a heart, and a mind in people. It's very different than what the world has. And Jesus is God himself come here. Does that tell you anything about God? God is not willing. He is not willing that you just stay here. You, you struggle against sin. You do what you hate. You hate what you do. You, you do that until you die. God is not willing for that to take place. God wants, God wants sin removed from us because condemnation of sin ultimately is coming because sin is anti-life and God is life and he gives life. And then how does this fit with the gospel? Brothers and sisters, you can hear the gospel. You can, you can believe Jesus is the Son of God. You can even obey the gospel. <clears throat> and then you can, because we're human beings and we still have the flesh and we still have this thing within us, we just, we just want to make more and more money and never have to spend any of it. That's what your flesh wants. Your flesh wants to never know weakness. <laughs> Gabe and I are just talking about being sick. Is that a bunch of fun, being sick, brother? Not at all. You want some more of that? No way. Your flesh doesn't want anything to do with it. You know why? Because your flesh is smart enough to connect. If you do that bad enough, long enough, guess what? I'm going to cease to be here. It is inherent with us to, to get rid of and diminish and defeat as many things as we can that are related to death as possible. I'm talking about physical death. But I'm really talking about spiritual death, which is far more significant. The gospel God has given us to save us from our own sin. It doesn't just remove sin and then here you go, let's see what you can do. 
No, the gospel message itself, as simple as it is, that God came here and he came here for a purpose. He came here to defeat and render sin's hold and its power to render that fruitless in your life and in mine. He came here to rescue us, not just from the practice of sin or the the commission of sin. He came here to rescue us from the dominion of sin. The wages of sin is death. God's against death. God's against sin. He wants to give life. And you can be washed in the blood. You can be washed in the water and come out of it and you've still got this struggle with sin and you've still got this struggle with your, within your own mind and, and start looking for some complicated thing that you can do or say or latch on to. No, 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 no. We just took a feast that promotes life. Amen? Is this feast about life? Does this feast connect us emotionally with the very source of life itself, Jesus Christ our Lord? It either does or it doesn't, and it does too. We say on a regular basis, this is the nucleus of us being together. Well, it is. It is. Did Did we drink a cup that ends world hunger? Did we break the bread that removes suffering? It's two simple little elements. Don't let the power of those simple little elements slip through your fingers. In those two elements, God has given us his son. And in those two elements at the cross, he gave us that. And in those two elements, he is just bringing us back to remember, this is what I've done. And he has brought salvation to us. Paul wrote Philippi and he said, uh, dearly beloved, my dear, my dear beloved children, as you have always obeyed not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Put that on top of your list this week. Work it out. You can't work out what God didn't put in there. God can't tell you to work salvation out of your life. He didn't put it in there. He did too. We're mining for something, and it's more important than gold. And you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to drill. Every now and then, you might have to blast. You're going to have to shovel. You're going to scratch. You're going to have to dig for what is the gospel brought to your life. You're going to have to struggle and fight against yourself to get a hold of that. Here's what he says, why in 2.13, we were just paraphrasing 2.12 there, I guess, Philippians. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. Because the gospel hasn't just washed away our sins, brothers and sisters. The gospel has brought the spirit of God into us, his people. I don't understand that. Get your book, get a Dr. Pepper, a glass of water, a cup of coffee, sit down, pray about it, and let's start studying. Because this isn't going to happen automatically. And it is in Jesus that all things hold together. I don't even want to go to verse 17, but I will. 
For he is before all things, of Colossians chapter 1, where I told you all to turn. He is before all things, it means he's preeminent, and in him all things hold together. Would you like your faith to hold together? Would you like your, your heart to hold together? Would you like your marriage to hold together? Would you like this congregation to hold together? The only place anything holds together, the only glue there is that really adheres is Jesus Christ. And in him we hold together. In him we become fruitful. You see, we keep trying to take what God's told us to do and we keep trying to accomplish it like Jesus is not the Son of God, like Jesus didn't come here to get God in us. Jesus didn't just show up to scare the devil off. He didn't just show up. He did too. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. But that's not just wash away your sins and leave you on your own. He came to wash away your sins. He came to live in you. He washed away your sins so he could live in you. So he could live in you by his spirit to bring this glue to your life, to bring this confidence to your life, to bring a victory to your life, to bring a light a glorious light into your life that darkness cannot overcome, cannot defeat, cannot, cannot take credit for. It cannot comprehend it. We studied the Gospel of John. We went over that and over that and over that in chapter 1. The light shines into the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness overcame it not. The darkness could take credit for it not. God is putting in you something the world can't lay claim to. The world could give you an award, write you a check. The world can't bring you at peace with God. The world can't give you eternal life. The world can't bring the love of God to abide in you. The world cannot bring you to be fruitful and productive for the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ can do that. That's fast. Paul wrote Colossians said this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. We were trying in here, excuse me, last Sunday night, we were trying in here, but we couldn't get technology to work. My friend, it was so cold in Alaska. We're trying in here Sunday night to watch baptism take place and Homer, Alaska. Phone got so cold it died and we couldn't. But I talked to the new brother and the Lord as soon as we got home. And he was thrilled to death. So I told him we were celebrating. Gospel's growing and bearing fruit all over this world right now. It's not just doing that. It's growing and bearing fruit in you. 
Now that's what Paul wrote Colossians said. All over the world, this gospel is growing, is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. The gospel message, brothers and sisters, is the thing that grows within us, that bears fruit within us. It is too. And if you're not being fruitful, if you don't, if you don't understand fruitfulness, if God is not getting bigger in your mind, then you're not considering him. If Jesus is not becoming more precious to you as you go along the way here, and I know on any given Tuesday, you can have a bad day. And I was talking to Mike or where Mike went a while ago. Man, you give me a real good, where did Mike go? Oh, he's back there. You give me a real good bad cold and I can't spell my own name. I understand we have time. I understand that. In the midst of that, God has not abandoned us. In the midst of that, God is still growing and bearing fruit through his gospel. Because I may get sick and I may get down, but you know what? God has not abandoned me there. When I get a head cold, Jesus Christ doesn't quit abiding in my heart. When I get a head cold, the blood doesn't keep washing, cease washing me clean. When I get a head cold, the Spirit of God does not cease to abide in me, to bring me comfort, to bring me truth. Me having a head cold doesn't have one single solitary impact on any of the truth God's ever said in this book. If this book can bring us out of darkness into the wonderful light of the kingdom of the son that he loves, if it can transfer us there, and it can, if it can rescue us from that, and it can, then the gospel can sustain us and bear fruit in us. And it does, and it will. And I'm trying to appeal to us this morning Don't look for something somewhere else. Look for it in the gospel. Look for God's purpose for you in the gospel. Look for God's God's victory for you in the gospel. Look for it in Jesus himself. Look for it in the fruit of his gospel. Your sins are washed away. The spirit of God lives in your heart. The love of God now abides in you. The things that God said now matter to you. The truth that God has given you continue to save your life on a daily basis. For this reason, verse 9, we skip to verse 2, Colossians 1. For this reason, since the gospel's bearing fruit and it's doing stuff in your life, for since this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Not collect data on a bunch of stuff God said do. What is it that God wants? He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants those that are saved to be transformed into the likeness of his son, to be conformed into being like Jesus, to share in his divine nature and escape the corruption in the world filled with uh, full of evil desires. I just quoted and paraphrased several scriptures there. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let's start reading the book like life was held there. Let's expect that life can come to us there. Let's expect that our understanding and our knowledge of God can grow something within us that is so powerful you cannot explain it except you use eternity and the God who gives life as explanation of it. 
his word and his love and his spirit in our minds and in our hearts with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this. Look here. Put your eyeballs on this. Verse 10. And we pray this in order. I just told you the gospel has been bearing fruit in you since the day you've heard it and all your truth. Hang on to it. Dig around in it. Mine it to completion. Let what it says be true in your mind every day. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every good, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now we're far verse 10 happening. Is anybody in here doesn't want that to describe your life? Nobody. We just think, we just keep thinking, God said, no, you better get busy on that. You don't get busy on that. You get busy on the gospel. The gospel produces that. And Paul said, I'm praying that you can get a knowledge of what God's doing and what God wants and the power of the, you can let it soak in. God is the creator of all things, and he loves you. He came here and redeemed you. Didn't he? He either did or he didn't. And don't you tell me God ever broke a promise. God hadn't broke a promise yet. He couldn't break a promise if he wanted to, and he doesn't want to. And the promise of the gospel is not just, I cleaned you up to see if you could do it because I'm looking to damn you anyway. The promise of the gospel is, I washed away your sins and I raised my son from the dead to prove the historical fact and the efficacy of his death on the cross. And I raised him from the dead to prove to you that immortality now is your inheritance. You trust him, you follow him, you listen to him. And trusting him and following him and listening to him, your life can change on a dime. And when did God ever lead physical people into a battle on planet Earth when it all happened at once? Never. He took a tiny little teacup of people, shepherds and farmers, and he took over what seven nations occupied. We call it the promised land. They kicked out, destroyed, defeated, and put to death all seven nations that had become enemies of God through their worship of self and the lust of the flesh. And God said, we're going to do, before they did it, he said, we're going to do this little by little. That's how it happens, brothers and sisters. Little by little. I know some, some particular something may have washed over you the day you gave yourself to the Lord and you understand that. But it's not one straw that puts a camel on his knees. It's accumulated weight. Little by little, God help us overcome ourselves and our thinking to come to him. Little by little, God helped us overcome our resistance to listening to him. 
And the one who came, the one who is life, the one who is the light of the world, the one who is the bread come down from heaven, he said, it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. No one comes to the Father except through me. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Why am I telling this to Christians? I pray this. I pray you could just get a hold of what God's done in the gospel in order that you may live a life worthy of the calling you have received, in order that you may live a life, sorry, I mixed Ephesians in there, live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Stop trying to do it ourselves and let's let the gospel do that in us. Let's hear the gospel. Let's think on it. Let's consider it. Let's write it down. Let's sort it out. Let's hear God's promises. Let's believe them. Let's walk forward in them. Bearing fruit in every good work. Not growing frustrated and being defeated. That's not God. That sounds like the devil. Not God. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power. We're in verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Would anybody like to have endurance and patience and living in a pleasing way to God and bearing fruit for God and growing in our knowledge? Would you like to do that and just keep on doing it and not give up, not wear out? Well, that's what he just promised. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Even when we're, even when we're sick, Gabe, what's my joy when I'm sick? My sickness will not be the end of my faith. It's not the end of my Lord. It's not the end of God's fruit. It's not. Thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For, verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. No, he did too. He did too. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us in to the reign and the rule. That's the kingdom. He rescued us from the reign and the rule of darkness and he brought us into the reign and the rule of the son that he loves. Jesus is now our king in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sin. God got your sin out of the way. Or that's what he offered you in the gospel. You just got to believe it. I've got to believe it. Well, now, if there's one thing in this world I'm going to have to go through this life believing every day, I'm suspecting that I need to hear it pretty regular. We've got to do that, brothers and sisters. We've got to pick up this book. We've got to open it up. Yeah, if you want to open it up on your phone, fine. I don't care. I just want you to open it. I just want you to read it. I just want you to hear the God who is in there. What he has done, what he promises, what he offers, because it's true. The devil shuts up, never shuts up. The world never quits talking. 
And they're trying to talk you out of every bit of that all day long, every day. God's trying to talk us into it again every day. Into the power of it. Into the fruitfulness of it. Bearing fruit in every good work. This isn't magic, brothers and sisters. It's a gospel. It's the Spirit of God in us. And are you going to condemn God because it didn't get done in a way to suit you in a time manner or a time frame that suited you? No, you're not. Keep hungering, keep thirsting, keep seeking, keep listening. Trust God. Keep His promises. They're true. Let's, let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We don't know anybody else like you. We never heard of anybody like you. The one who gives life because he has life in himself. And you have brought this life, Father, to this world. Jesus came here and in him was life, eternal life. It's the only kind of life you have. And he brought that life here, Father, and he paid the price to bring that life into us. To bring that life, Father, by his spirit into us that we might have life right now. In the midst of a world who's longing for it. In the midst of a world who, who knows there has to be something. Not something that removes suffering from planet earth. Jesus didn't come, come for that. He came not to remove suffering out of our lives, but to give suffering in our lives purpose. Purpose that just further secures the life we have in him that just further gives us opportunity to share who he is and what he's done with other people. The gospel never promised, Father, to meet and satisfy all the desires of our flesh. The, pro the gospel promises this, Father, to give us life that this world cannot take, to give, suffer, to give our suffering purpose that this world cannot give, to give us as individuals and collectively as a family a victory over the worst that this world can dish out and all the devil can think of. Because in Jesus, with his life in us and his spirit in us, Father, we no longer have to be timid and afraid. Timid toward anything and afraid of anything. Even death itself. Father, I thank you for your people here. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for every single promise. Every single promise you've given us in the gospel. For keeping those promises when we understand them clearly and when we don't when we forget them, when we fail to recall them. I'm just asking you, Father, to help us to consider them again. 
Help us to get our foot. I know we got to live in the world and we got to deal with it all day, every day. But what has afforded us in the midst of that, Father, is a truth, a truth that is unparalleled. A truth that did not, it's not from around here. It didn't come from us. It's from you. And the dynamic, Father, the the power of that truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has accomplished in our lives, Father, more than any of us ever, ever could have accomplished. And it holds, Father, for us an inheritance and a future that cannot be adequately described in human words. We thank you, Father, for the peace the gospel has brought us, for the freedom from condemnation that it has afforded us, and for the spirit of life and truth that it has, by your own promise, brought to help us through this world. Help us, Father. Help us to lean on the Lord Jesus who saved us. Help us, help us, Father, to walk in accordance with and hand in hand the spirit you give us. Help us, Father, to sort out, sort out this life against the truth that you have us. You have given us. Thank you, Father, for caring about us. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for giving us hope, for giving us a future, for giving us, Father, a purpose so far greater than anything this world could afford. Thank you, Father, for all these things. Help us to consider these things. And please, God, glorify yourself and the fruit that all this produces in our lives. We thank you for this ahead of time, Father. We'll praise you again as we see it or understand it. Sir Jesus Christ, who died for us and lives powerfully in our half to, on our behalf to intercede now, we pray these things. Amen. I can tell you these two truths. God cannot love you more than he does, and Jesus Christ, his son, cannot be more powerful than he is. And that's fact. And that holds implications for you and for I. In this world, we need never be afraid. In this world, we cannot be defeated. If that doesn't make sense to you, I wish you'd give me time to explain it in terms you can understand. But if you need our help this morning in a public way, if you need the help of this family, if you need our love or help or encouragement, you can let us know now while we stand and while we sing.